Intentional Grounding. Goaltender's Caviar. Batter's Box. Butterfly Slam. False Start. Shoestring Timeout. Punt. 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 So Ryan. So Jane. How are you? Um, I'm pretty good. It's been it's been quite a while since since you and I were both on this podcast together. Um, it's taken me a while to find my way out of uh, Jim Harbaugh's laundry room. How it is big? Is is it or is it cavernous? And those two things are different. I'd like to point out. I would go with big. Cavernous would imply that there were like there was a lot of tall spaces. Right. There was just a lot of room. Okay. That's cool. Um. You also managed to get out of there uh, in time to get engaged. So congratulations to you and to your fiancé. I I think that'll be good. Thank you very much. Uh, My fiancé also did not find joking about stalking Jim Harbaugh to be as (laughs) amazing as I did, and yet somehow still decided she would like to marry me, which I think is a good sign. How how, Are you sick of using the term fiancé yet? Not not entirely, mostly yeah. because you can sound really douchey with the word fiance if you really want to. Like, well, my fiance. Right. Like, it is it is a signaling term by by all means. It is. It is. And it's weird how people like people recognize that, but then people are starting to ask questions like, "Oh, like do you have a date and do you have all these details?" I'm like, "No, I I I have a fiance. I I got that far." <laughs> Like, like, like they're they're supposed to know not to ask any more questions than that. Yes, I I think I I handled all the portions of this that I needed to handle for right now. Right, we'll get to everything else. Right, but uh, yeah, the people asking about dates and caterers and starting to ask like really complicated questions. I'm just like, no, no, I have a fiance. Yay! <laughs> well, good good luck to you. You are you are sure to have a world of fun coming your way. Oh, I'm 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 certain. I'm super certain. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it all seriousness, we're pretty happy. Um planning is not just for weddings, it's also for free podcasts. And that is an ugly segue to uh letting everybody know that we have decided to uh add a little structure to this old uh Punt Brothers thing. We will be doing that by going to one one recording every other week. We had for a while been doing weekly uh, sometimes a couple of weeks, sometimes we skipped around. It was all very sporadic, so we're going to try to stick to every other week. Uh, hopefully recording, right now this is Thursday night, we're going to try to stick to that and get this up for you on Fridays. Um, we'll see how that goes. I think like everything else we do, Jane, it's subject to change for no particular reason. That's very true. Um, and that's that's how we choose to live, damn it. Yep. Live free or do something else. Joining us on this episode of Punt Brothers is Spencer Hall. Uh, Spencer, you are the editorial director of SB Nation. You are the head honcho over at Every Day Should Be Saturday, where Jane and I both write. Uh, And you are also the, let's say, haphazard producer of a little podcast called The Shutdown Fullcast. Producer is a really generous title. Well, it's not, I'm not the producer. And I'm confident Jason is not. So it has to be you. No, J- Jason's like, Jason on that podcast is basically a vagrant we invite to participate. Because he's always calling in from his backyard. 
or at, at least a backyard. Yeah, we don't know it's his. He's he's outdoors. Is the point? Can we can we do one episode of Shutdown Fullcast where we track him with like a tagger the whole time and just see where he goes? I want to do one where we hunt him. <laughs> okay. Where we where we try to find him in his backyard and uh, then surprise him on air. Like it's like it's a geotagger game. Yeah, but he's up in Cobb County. That's a good way to get shot. Oh, I thought I thought you meant as in hunting, like we're about to hunt the most dangerous game of all kind of hunting. Oh, yeah, I mean, no, no, he'd win. <laughs> I'm not starting that. I'm, I mean, I, I can, I can survive in the woods, but let's not push it past that. Who, who at SB Nation do you think you could defeat in a? You're both put on an island with. Let's say not a gun, but a knife, and you have to hunt and kill one another. Who's your best target? Uh, there are a number of people. I- I've got Mike Prada. <laughs> oh man! Because I'm pretty sure I- I'm pretty sure I can just sit on him. Uh, Luke Thomas kills us all. Yeah, Jane is probably the most capable on this recording right now. I feel. Jane, yeah, huh? what's your what, what's your uh, what's your clean up to? Uh, let's see, my hand cleans around one thirty three, and I can deadlift about two seventy or so. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if this if this knife competition breaks down into some sort of like powerlifting competition, then I'm okay. Yeah, it, always, it always comes down to brute strength. Well, hold on, Jane, you're also from Cincinnati, mm-hmm. which and, means I'll ask permission before I stab you. And you've survived the Michigan cold. I have. So you you have more survival instincts than you even know. Yeah, but you both are like Florida, and that's just like you're ba- you're basically alligators, aren't you? No, 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 no. Most people from Florida are just these cake soft marshmallow people who stay indoors. Right. You have to understand that Florida is a land of hucksters and frauds, but they need a populace to defraud, and we are those people. Oh. Yeah. And no one likes and no one likes to go outside for easily nine months out of the year. Even that is pretty, pretty generous, I would say. Yeah, it's a very unpleasant place just to sit. Um, as you can probably tell, we're talking about the off season because there's no football right now. No. Uh, the NFL Combine kind of counts, but not really. Um, so, so Spencer, let's start by. You have more experience in this than either Jane or I do, both by mm-hmm. virtue of age and by virtue of being a writer for a longer period of time. What is what is the emotional progression you go through from right after the national championship ends until right before week one of the next season starts? Well, there's a little bit of relief the day after. Just a little bit. Yeah. When you think, oh, maybe I'll have time to get a haircut. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do one or two things. Then there's a euphoria two or three or four days out where you begin to think about no no I could really I could really do some stuff. I could make some changes in life. I got all, I've got like two or three whole other days in my week now. That bottoms out quickly. Usually when everything gets rainy and crappy or snowy and crappy, depending on where you are. And I'm kind of at the trough now. You bottom out. You, you really, you head downhill all the way through February. There's a little blip on signing day when you look around and say, oh, look, 
Hope springs eternal. We signed a large child. My team's going to be great because we signed all of these large children. And then it continues to bottom out as you go lower and lower and lower into the off-season trough. And then usually I go on vacation, which for me, that's next week. So right now, I'm as close to a form of like non-conscious algae as I'm going to be all year. <laughs> that sounds ideal. That doesn't sound bad at all. No, it's pretty good. I don't care about anything right now. <laughs> and and then when when will you start to like build back up? Do, do you just sort of coast off that alginess for a while or um, you know, for the football, the football Jones will go away for a while. Right. It does. Uh, spring football perks it up a little bit, but through through, you know, May and June, I've learned to pace myself really. Yeah, through May and June, it's very hard to arouse me in any kind of way when it comes to football. July and August is when it really starts to creep up. Because then you start to remember that it's a thing you really not only like, but have a really unhealthily uh, fond relationship with. So, At a a certain point, it's something that you realize you have to have. Like... I find that in early August, I start watching games that have happened, not even like good games, Mm. but like games that have just occurred. Football games that just happen to have taken place. Yeah, that that happens. Inevitably, too, somebody creates a hype video, and I'll kind of forget that I really need football, and then somebody will put out a hype video set to, I don't know, Whatever the accepted hype standard music has been, I've been doing this long enough that it went from uh, Urban Meyer Utah highlights. Like, really, somebody would like set Utah highlights to click, click, boom in, ni- in 2004. <laughs> that was something you could do and nobody would flinch. Alex Smith, y'all! Yeah! <laughs> and they looked awesome. Get rowdy! <laughs> you're like, what is that magical voodoo football they're doing where the quarterback pulls the ball and runs? This is the future. Uh, that Urban Meyer guy is never going anywhere but Florida. He loves us. He loves us. It'll work out great. Nothing will go wrong. But then, like, then it moved to at one point, uh, at one point, just straight hip hop. Then it became uh, dubstep. Dubstep. I think we're kind of transitioning out of a dubstep phase in terms of acceptable highlight reel music. Into something else entirely. I'm not sure what Drake. There's a, there's a bit of Drake going on, but uh, but I suspect we'll push past that. Man, I'm 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 kind of sad we didn't have highlight videos in the 20s or something, just so we could have <laughs> used the music, the popular music of those eras. Set I, to. I, I'm I could jump, see those I'm, teams going to the Charleston. I could see that. <laughs> I'd watch that. I'd go watch a Notre Dame video. <laughs> Notre Dame highlight reel in 2015 is probably set to what? Uh, probably Lincoln Park. Yep. yep. I, think, I think that's too hardcore. I think it's Collective Soul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's like like June and July. June is the 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 trough. I think we should just close EDSBS in June. Like just just. Take the whole month off. What if we just what if we just hook up a random article generator that just takes we give it a dictionary 
and we just say, okay, every at at ten o'clock, one o'clock, and four o'clock, spit out five hundred words, and just see what happens. How I think you, how, I think we'd be horrified at what a, what little a difference that would make. The commentary it would not notice at all. No, they would just keep plowing along. God like, bless them. Good new place for us to argue about whether ketchup is the best thing or the worst thing. Still haven't solved that issue. Well, it's been been nearly a decade. I mean, if it's if it's divided it's <clears> in <throat> Palestine, I can't imagine the commentary it's gonna get there either. You know, another thing that really begins to like absolutely get the football Jones going is inevitably they do rebroadcast a game and they get one that I care about. Mm. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, those ones that you don't care about, you're like, oh, yeah. But like, there's always one in July that the SEC network or someone will put on, July or maybe early August, that somebody will put on where I drop everything. And just start watching it. Cancel a call. Cancel a meeting. This is very important. I need to watch Kentucky, Florida, 2014. I need again. to watch Arkansas go to seven overtimes. Oh, now, please, I'd do that now. <laughs> I mean, Jane, you'd do that, right? Like if that, oh, yeah. if like the Matt Jones, Lorenz, and seven overtime game is on. Oh God, yes. Even yes. you, as a, even you, as a Michigan fan, you're you're dropping everything to watch that. Oh, oh, I've watched. I've watched some really unfortunate, or you can call it fortunate games, in like the depths of July. I've watched, uh, I've rewatched some Northwestern games that didn't involve Michigan. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I believe it. I believe she did it. Where Where do you even find that? Like, that's not, here's the thing that's not something that sort of pops up on your Facebook or somebody emails you or you see floating around Twitter. You see, had to go find that. Ryan, Ryan, see, I'm going to tell you something. So the Big Ten Network, it has a lot of money and it has no idea with what to do with it. So God. during the summer, they will do these things where they give each school a day. Like it's Michigan Day, so they'll show like, I don't know, 1986 Rose Bowl, the 97 championship season documentary, blah, blah, blah. During Rutgers Day, they just show that 2006 Louisville Rutgers game over and over and over again. But on Northwestern Day, they show Northwestern beating Michigan like 53-51 in like 2001 because Anthony Thomas fumbled. And then they'll probably show this past year them winning at Notre Dame. And that'll be it. So this and is, I'll watch it. So this is the part. This is like where the Big Ten Network is reaching into the pantry, finding no food, and saying, "I bet pastry flour tastes good." It has yep. the word pastry in it. Yep. Basically. And that's how you get sick on Northwestern. Pretty much, yeah. But uh, I was just thinking that I think the most difficult part for me right now of the off season. It's all of the people who try to make me feel better by saying, well, it's almost baseball season, as if baseball season is something that I care about. I do not at all. That's another, like, the, the, I will admit, I know, having, having been around the horn a number of times on this, I have breaks and things that will ease this up. You get to write, like, little longer stories, and that's cool, and you get to look at some stuff, or maybe take a cool trip or two, and... um 
but there's really like the things that break up the off season for me. When somebody says, "Oh, baseball season's coming," I hate baseball. That's like a given. That's a given, right? Like, you're, yeah, you're right. on the record. I'm on the record. It would be tedious to repeat. <laughs> but of all the things to pick, when you have like the NHL and NBA playoffs, which now like I'm such a friend of those two things. Like, great, cram those in your face. Those are you should get those all over yourselves. Just roll in them. They're late at night. They're stressful. They will fuck your entire life up. They will. You'll get like five hours of sleep a night. You'll be a wreck for like a month and a half. It's awesome. Especially the NHL playoffs, which are anxiety-inducing. I don't oh, even, God, yes. I don't know what, like, playoff hockey in the last, like, in the third period, in the last, like, six minutes of the third period, I start to, like, scream internally. Yeah. The 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 first all of the time before that in a hockey playoff game is like raising a child to the age of thirteen and then sending that child to high school is the last six minutes. You're like, oh god. Everything bad can happen now. Yep. Especially Wait. with like one team, like like a three two game. Right. And like you once you get to the part where, some, like, the moment somebody starts pulling goalies, because time, like, time is relative in sports, and time in hockey means absolutely nothing. Like, if there's 30 seconds left in a hockey game, you, you've got all day. Yeah, that and if that and this, it's a lot like the high school metaphor, because you're really hoping, if you're the team who's losing, you're basically trying to throw in an application somewhere at the last second or find a job. Right, you're just like just you're like just tie. Right, I don't want to win this game of life. I'm just trying to get just, to a, you just, know, just trying to extend the game, man. That's it, man. <laughs> I, I, I know I stopped, but I'm, I'm just, trying to get trying to get to a three Just don't so take I, me. Just don't kill me now. So I can just you know get into tech school or maybe you know like like I just don't want to end up in you know the military or right, something. Like right. just I just I might end up there, but I don't want that to be my only option, you know? <laughs> and and the student who's got the 4.0, i.e. the team in the lead, who's already been accepted, the parent's basically like, don't get busted for coke. <laughs> oh, you know? oh, hell, you got busted for coke. Again. Yeah. Again, like, don't fall off a cliff at the graduation party, right? Yeah. Like, that's really... Don't have something terrible. Don't get pregnant or get someone pregnant two weeks before you graduate, right? Because then that's how the Harvard scholarship turns into staying home and going to community college. That's You don't want that. And that's what ho- playoff hockey is. It's something where something terrible can happen for either team in the last like five seconds of the game. And when it does, it's just shattering. I'm really not making... This I'm not doing a good job at selling this as a great placebo for football. It's awesome. It's really, really great. And you get to meet these insane people who will just sit there and tell you on Twitter or in real life, like, I told you it was good. They'll do that for like a month. You're like, I know. I I'm, do this every year. I'm still not gonna watch your regular season. I'm sorry. No one's gonna watch the regular season. It's very it's very long and I don't understand it. That's and cool. you balance and you balance that with the NBA playoffs as a distraction, which the NBA playoffs are also fantastic because that's when they really start playing. That's when some of the most gifted 
large and charismatic athletes in the world who are too singular in their talents to really conform to anyone's standards. I mean, there's not many people who are 6'9 or 6'10 who can move. And that's why they get paid exorbitant amounts of money to do that and are allowed to be more colorful and interesting. We're going to get like that the- all Gasol final. You watch. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for the uh, I'm waiting for the Atlanta Memphis connection. Oh boy! Oh boy! No, you want a Hawk Grizz final? <laughs> That's like think of every crusty L.A. sports writer who has to do that. Who's like, God, <laughs> God damn it, Kobe! I will personally help local criminals in both cities target. <laughs> It's writers who complain about Atlanta and Memphis. Jesus Christ. Oh, oh that's Plasky. Abduct him. Man, I'm so excited for this podcast to get subpoenaed now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's steer it back briefly to college football. It is entirely too early to be talking about 2015. And by that, I mean we can't really just lean on Bill Connolly's research. Too much at this point, unless we're going to talk about the Sun Belt a ton, which we're not. But all that being said, we're going to, I'm going to make all of us stake out some very ill advised ground. Um, Jane, I'm going to start with you. I want you to give me a team that you think that you're going to predict will do well, but that you are fully prepared for them to totally disappoint you and just play terribly. So that team for me would be TCU. Okay. TCU is angry, as we saw in their bowl game. TCU's schedule looks pretty good. I mean, their toughest games, let's see. They'll go to Minnesota. They can probably do that. Uh, They go to Kansas State, to Oklahoma State, to Oklahoma. But then they've got Baylor at home, West Virginia. Yeah, it doesn't really look that bad. I'm saying this now. But, but inevitably, triple overtime loss that's off of, like, a fumbled punt return. And they're going to lose one game and be out of the playoff, and then we'll have this whole thing all over again. And that's going to be really annoying. Okay. Uh, Spencer, your team that's going that you're saying right now, in late February, they're going to play well, and by the time we get to December, you're going to regret backing them. Um, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, that would be 16 returning starters. Mm-hmm. That would be an extremely compelling and successful in both leagues head coach that they just hired. That would be a favorable schedule. And it would be the power of hope, which is why they're going to get out of the gate fast and then crash down the stretch that would be the Michigan Wolverines. Oh. God damn it, Spencer! <laughs> damn it. Oh, I, I really didn't do that to piss on your parade. I really didn't. Wow. You you can't like our parade is the most paranoid of parades. It's basically parade, like parade is loitering. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just hanging in the street. Oh. It's like the inauguration parade. There are snipers everywhere. No, it's it's like an old school inauguration where you're just this is going. You gotta on. walk the whole way. This is going on for a month, and we're bringing in more supplies, and nobody's willing to quit. And nope. eventually, we have to actually like the president has to actually 
do some presidenting. Yep. Um, yeah. Because by the way, I would I would look at this is where this is how you finish up that with those returning starters and with all the optimism, you go you have two games that are going to give you I think a little bit of false hope because uh, Michigan opens at Utah next year. Yep. Which I think you win because Utah's real bad. Revenge. Revenge <laughs> at last. <laughs> Um, and then Oregon State comes to Michigan State. Even Oregon State's not going to know their head from their ass yet because Anderson's just getting started. They're switching up everything. And then a, a kind of like a pretty nice streak. Like they could play like Brigham Young, Maryland, Northwestern. Really could be sitting at 6-0. and oh. I'm sorry, 5-1. and one, Because remember, we've already said that Randy Etzel's just going to beat Harbaugh for no reason. <laughs> I'm just picking that. You're like, who's got his goat? I'm like, oh, if it's Randy Etzel. <laughs> Because it's got to hurt and make no sense. <laughs> and when I think pain and nonsense, I think Randy Edsel football. That's, so on, really his, could, that's on his business card. So. But really, it could be like 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh going into that Michigan State game. And then the second half of the season's like Michigan State, Minnesota. At Minnesota, by the way. Uh, on the killing field in Minneapolis. <laughs> uh Rutgers, who just, they also have a habit of just punching you in the dick when they have no right doing it, at Indiana. Well, okay, that'll be fun. And then at Penn State and versus Ohio State. So the second yeah. half of the season just gets way rougher. And I don't well, think, by the way, that won't be fair. I think it'll be like a pretty good first year under Harbaugh. But, well, but it's my, not going to be an easy second half. My hope is that at least once Jim Harbaugh <coughs> just like brings down a referee with his jaws to his neck. Just <laughs> like I see like, that like a piranha leaping out of a river? Exactly. Like I see that can you imagine like somehow we go to overtime in Happy Valley, it's a whiteout, it's at night. For some reason someone like spots the ball and unfairly gives Penn State a first down and Jim Harbaugh just comes out of nowhere and takes a referee down like it's a nature series. You you understand that once once referee blood is in the air, nobody's gonna be able to control James Franklin. Nope. Nope. Like that's true. That, that's true. You know what though? Like at least he gets uh at least he gets the the neck, right? Takes him down yep. by the neck. As opposed to Nick Saban, who has to clip them like an Australian shepherd. <laughs> right? Just, ah, just gets them right on the Achilles. So many tendons torn. Or are you seeing it more like the, the, the like kid in Pet Cemetery uses the scalpel on the Achilles, right? Like, ah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go, Jane, I will help you out. I'm, my team that I'm picking for this category is Michigan State. Um, just because I am a little too worried that we're all like, yeah, Connor Cook's coming back. That's great. And forgetting that basically all of his running backs and wide receivers and tight ends are gone. And that seems bad. Um, and I'm also delighted about the possibility that maybe Pat Narduzzi was the one keeping the whole ship afloat. And now he's dragged that to Pitt. I would really like if Pitt became this defensive-minded powerhouse and and Michigan State just sort of had to flutter along at seven and five or something that would make me very amused for all the it's, wrong reasons it's good it's good to like things i, I, I would, didn't say it's going to happen i would love it if Pitt just beat florida state's ass for the next 10 years <laughs> inexplicably no matter how good or bad florida state was if just Pitt just took a chunk out of them every single year 
Like Jimbo's like, I can't figure it out. What the? What are they doing? Pat Narduzzi just in my head. So you're saying you want Pitt to be the Auburn to Florida State's Florida? Yeah, I want them to be the future Maryland to Jim Harbaugh's Michigan. I want them. <laughs> I want. Swear them to, to God. Spencer, <laughs> swear to God. All right, um, let's flip it now, Spencer. What's a team that you are saying they're going to stink? But maybe by the time we get to December, you'll say, yep, they made like a good example of this would be Mississippi State. I didn't believe in them at all last offseason. And I know you did. And you ended up looking overall like the smart one. And I looked like an idiot. What is what is that team <coughs> for you this year? Uh, that team for me. Uh, and this is God, this is just a hazardous bet. I'm going to look so bad. That's fine. Whatever. But this is a team that you say is going to look bad, so if they do, you're right. You know what? I'm going to take Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Because I guarantee you the first four or five games of the season. It's going to be bad. I'm going to be on suicide watch. It's going to be so bad. I'm going to want to fire everyone. And then, like, I think, you know, like, last three or four games of the season, they're going to kind of look like they have their shit together. So I'll take them, and I'll, I'll, I'll double down. Um, I think that Washington now Washington, by the way, should look really bad because they don't have many returning starters, you know, per right. Phil Steele, they're looking at 10 yeah. mm-hmm. returning starters, including four on defense. And they lost a bunch of super good guys on they defense. They lost a bunch too. of brilliant dudes on oh, defense. Man. We're going to make a lot of money in the NFL. Uh, but I kind of think this might be more about system. That then it might be about total talent. Although defensively, they're just not going to be that great. I think offensively, they'll pick it up. So I'll say Washington and Florida. And if I'm wrong on both, oh boy, that'd be special. Okay. Um, I'm going to take Texas Tech for this one. Uh, God, Texas Tech was bad last year. Mm. But if they can avoid having their DC quit slash get fired in the middle of the year and then counter you know, counter program against them with various schools. That's a plus. Um, and they also, they have a bunch of starters coming back and goddamn, if Cliff Kingsbury can't get Texas tech looking at least regularly competitive this year, it's going to get ugly so quick. Well, yeah. And you know who he hired as defensive coordinator. Um, he hired David Gibbs, right? Correct. The yeah. turnover turnover maestro out of Houston. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Who kept that you want to talk about an Arduzzi effect. David Gibbs kept that that defense afloat and that team afloat for much longer and at a much higher rate of success than they should have. They play a turnout like turnovers are the big emphasis there, which makes so much sense if you're playing in a fast paced air raid, uh, you know, high tempo kind of offense. Right. Instead of emphasizing like Ben don't break or strangulation, they're like, Wow, what the hell? Go big. Try to try try to get a pick. Try to strip, and if they don't, well, we'll get the ball back. Just go blind nil every every hand. <laughs> I call it. I dare you. <laughs> All right, Jade. Uh, let's let's go with your team that you think will be shitty, and then at the end of the year, they won't be. So my pick, and I've been, I've gone back and forth on this a couple of times. My pick is Oregon. Ooh, that is wow. I know. I know. Again. Okay. I could imagine that they're going to have a really rough time heading to East Lansing on the 12th of September. Right. But then pretty much until, let's see, after that they got Georgia State, they got Utah at home, go to Colorado, 
uh, got Washington State at home, Washington in Seattle, and then they play Arizona State away, which I think will be like their first big, big test. But overall, like their schedule is pretty back heavy. And I feel as if like if they could figure out what they were going to do in the post Mariota era, I'm just interested to see how it's going to look to go from you know. I think that there's been a lot of talk about you know Mark Helfrich, Helfrich like you know what is his what is his coaching regime really going to look like, especially when you know I, I I still think that there are people who don't really give him that much credit. And so I'd be interested to see how this goes with, uh, you know, not having Mariota. And, but they, you know, they've got a lot of starters coming back. It's still Oregon. It'll still be really shiny. It will. But, like, if they stumble and, like, drop that game to Colorado, for whatever reason. Oh. Let's just say, like, it's the Pac-12, so crazy dumb shit happens. By the way, this is the year when Colorado either gets good right. or they're just terrible forever and yes. my entire gets fired. Exactly. And so so it's not it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that we get to that game and go, holy shit, Colorado just beat Oregon. Everything's fucked. I don't know. I think that that would only happen if Ralphie the Buffalo lines up for Colorado. That's fine. But Bud will tell you. Oregon's just doesn't have the size to compete with the Buffalo like that. Can I can I also remind you of this in this fantasy scenario? Go for it. The the only teams that are returning, uh, that are returning, uh, over, let's say over fourteen. Okay, so there's teams. There's there's a team that four teams that are returning sixteen starters. Okay. There's only two of or more, and there's only two of them. That are returning the almighty quarterback. <laughs> Do you know what those two teams are? God, I have no idea. Cal and Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, so by the numbers, just based on ye old reliable returning starters, okay, Cal and Colorado have returning quarterbacks <laughs> as starters and a whole lot of depth. Well, that, okay, that dovetails into my last request here on this portion uh an outlandish prediction and so i'll just go ahead and start i'm going to say that somebody other than oregon or stanford wins the pac-12 north this year i am not willing to commit to any specific team but i am willing to say that we see somebody else take that particular crown it, and I am fully comfortable with being wrong. I'm wrong so, so often. It almost feels more comfortable at this point. Uh, Spencer, one outlandish prediction for the 2015 season. I don't even know if this is this is that outlandish, but it feels, still feels weird to say that Baylor could win their, what, third Big 12 title in a row, or at least a piece of a Big 12 title. Right. If you count this year's half. So I don't think that's even outlandish anymore. It just feels weird. One other <clears throat> weird prediction if you're looking forward, basically, like, okay, who's coming back? Tennessee to win the SEC East. Oh, man. I, I know. I like, I I like that one. I do like that one. I mean, that, that feels weird. But I'll say, ten, you know, in Tennessee to win the SEC East and then compete for the title, like compete outright for the title, I still think probably the West would thrash them this year. Although you know, you know who's going to win the East again. It's it's Mizzou. 
Like every year we do this and we say I know. We we try to pretend that they we just forget that Mizzou even exists and we say, Oh, South Carolina's gonna step up, the East is great, oh Georgia, Bob, Tennessee and then Mizzou just says, Screw y'all, we're taking this worthless heap. Also, is this the year that Les Miles finally collapses? Like it hasn't happened and like LSU looks worse. <laughs> LSU just continues to win games while looking crappier and crappier every year. Like, is this the year that LSU actually has a bad year now that they've got, like, Arkansas and Ole Miss really pressuring them? That's those oh, are my... I, Based on how LSU fans seem to be really, really, really excited about the concept of Les Miles leaving, I think that that, that prediction could come true. Yeah. They turn, they turn fast, though. Yeah. It's Louisiana, as a rule, you know? You, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta stay popular at the barbecue, man, or you might end up. In the dish. Yep. Uh, Jane, your outlandish prediction. Now, this is both outlandish prediction and plaintive cry to the universe. Oh, God. I predict that Ohio State will lose a Big Ten game this year. (laughs) Right. I'm not saying to whom. Right. I'm just saying that they will. I mean, sure, if if you insist. I mean, I haven't seen it happen yet. The schedule does not set up promisingly for that, I will say. But, you know, I guess it could happen. I don't know. Jane, I feel like this is, this is, you're grasping. That's fine. I'm just saying, I think it'll happen. And (laughs) if and when it happens, we can look back at this particular moment and you'll note how prescient I am. (laughs) Also, if I could just, a couple of other, like, things just... Kind of looking at the schedule and like returning starters and the depth chart overall, you know, is it weird to think that like Virginia Tech? I mean, they don't need an offense. They don't, and they still have Bud Foster, and they did beat the defending national champions last year. They did. The only, the only team to do that. You know, it's not beyond the pale to think that you know with their schedule. The way things lay out, that Virginia Tech couldn't have a nice bounce back year, thus prolonging the Frank Beamer era like even further. Oh well, yeah, but let's be clear: bounce back year is nine, ten wins. It's not playoff berth. No, it's nine, ten wins. Okay, but still, with nine, ten wins, sure. that, puts them, that puts them in a real. By the way, what is game one for them? Oh God, do you know? I don't. The Ohio State Buckeyes in Blacksburg. <laughs> oh, there's going to be so much angry drinking going on God. in Blacksburg. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. All right. Oh, and other bold prediction. Purdue's going to be terrible. Super bold. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, ch- we'll, we'll make you a plaque if that one comes out right. I was right. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to end with a little game of unfair trivia. Um, Spencer, like Steve Spurrier, you spent a lot of your formative years in the state of Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Uh, you wound up attending UF and I think both of you have in common that you will take any opportunity to shit all over the volunteer state. Um, so, uh, Jane and I have assembled a series of trivia questions we're going to give you that have nothing to do with sports. And the answer to each of these questions is either Florida or Tennessee. Hmm. So, so you know, you have a coin flip chance on all of these. Are you ready to play Florida or Tennessee? 
I'm ready. Right. And I'm, I'm not going to look anything up. I'm just going to let it go. All right, Jane, give okay. me the first question. Which state has a higher per capita beer consumption, gallons per person, Florida or Tennessee? I'm going to guess Florida. That is correct. Florida, 34th in the nation at per capita beer consumption. North Dakota first. At, Unsurprising. Yeah. Is Wisconsin top five there? I believe they were, yes. But okay. uh, Florida, 27 gallons per person. North Dakota, 45. Because there's nothing else to do in North Dakota but drink and talk about drinking. Also, a lot of people in Tennessee lying. Well, yeah, I will say this the statistic this is based on used the population of 21 and over. So oh, it could so be totally not, wrong for both of these Not picking up all that elementary school drinking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Spencer, which state has, had, has been the birthplace of more astronauts, Florida or Tennessee? Well, I can actually – let's see. So there was a senator, Bill Nelson. Yep. And I can't think of one who – so I think Ronald McNair might have been from Tennessee. So I have him tied at one. So I'm going to go Florida <laughs> on that one too. Oh, man, you're two for two. Florida has uh, is the home of nine astronauts. Tennessee, seven in its history. That's right. It's just not Christian to go into space. So, again, I'm going to lean Florida on that one. <laughs> you don't go into God's house unless he invites you. That's right. You're just barging around in his basement. I think that's what let the right one in is about. Exactly. They might he might think you're a rodent. All right. Which state's population has better access to fluoridated water? Ah, um that's a weird question. Better access to fluoridated water. The, the CDC tracks this and and it's a which a percentage of the state population whose water is fluoridated? Um, I am going to go against my instincts and say, you know, what? I'm going to go, oh God, I'm going to go Florida again because I don't know. There's just some hill jack places in Tennessee where they're probably working out of wells. So I'm going to go Florida. Mm, I'm sorry. Your streak is over. The answer is Tennessee. Nearly 90% of the population has fluoridated water in Florida. 78%. What? That's, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> What, what, a, what a deplorable collection of places. Florida is terrible. Uh, okay, here's another, here's another one that I think will be a little challenging. Uh, according to the FBI's 2012 crime stats, which state has the higher rate of car theft per, I think this is per 10,000 people? See, I can't lose on this because either way it's funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to go Florida. Mm, I would have thought so too, but it's Tennessee. Ah, uh, you know why? Because because it touches so many states, you can get it out quickly. Sure. That's why There's, it's hard to get it's hard to get a car out of Florida. So it's kind of a riskier crime. And most crime in Florida goes unreported, as we know. So it wouldn't show <laughs> on these statistics. It ain't theft if I'm crafty enough to take it from you. <laughs> all right, okay, Jane. I don't know why you got stuck with all the tooth related questions, but go ahead. Where was the cotton candy machine invented? Uh, cotton candy machine. That's a fatness question, so I'm going to go Tennessee. <laughs> that is correct. That's correct. That's right. By a dentist. <laughs> By a dentist. <laughs> Drum up business. <laughs> In fat-ass Tennessee. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, last question. 
Spencer, of the of the main actresses on the television show Designing Women, mm. across all seven seasons, mm. were there more of them who were born in Tennessee or born in the state of Florida? And can you name the <coughs> ones who were in e- from each state? Okay. Delta Burke is from Tennessee. You're, I mean, can I tell you right away that you're wrong? Or is she? Where is she? Or is she from Georgia? Where is she, she from? She was born in Orlando, Florida. Oh well, hell, she's not from there. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm contest. I'm gonna contest the problem. We're just we're just talking about birthplace because I was too lazy to look up anything but that. <sighs> Damn it, Ryan. <laughs> She was Miss. She was. She was Miss Florida. I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm so wrong here. And everything you've shattered, you... you've shattered everything I want to believe about the world. <laughs> I hate you for this. Delta Burke, Floridian. Okay, Delta Blurk. Delta Blurk. <laughs> My. You really are broken now. I'm so shattered. Um. <laughs> Okay, well, that's one. Uh, Dixie Carter. She was born in Tennessee. Correct. Correct. So that's tied one all. Jean Smart. Now, this is the hard one because I, I bet she's a covert Floridian. So I'm just going to go ahead and answer Florida and say that she's from Florida and that, uh, that everyone else concerned. Oh, wait, wait. Jan Hooks. I think Jan Hooks is from – I'm just going to go go with Florida and – Quit embarrassing myself. Okay. Um, Gene Smart is actually born in Seattle, Washington. Uh, Jan Hooks is born in Georgia, so you were not off overall. But the answer is Tennessee with their second actress. That would be Miss Annie Potts. Born You're in- fucking kidding me. Nope. nope. Nothing real. <laughs> Spencer, uh, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry that we shattered all of your Delta Burke-based reality. Uh, mostly I apologize to your wife and children who will have to bear the burden. Uh, this is pretty much what we do, though. Like, if you have a, a Delta Burke fantasy, like, we ruin it. Have we done that before? I think we do that pretty much every episode. We just don't talk about it much. Wow. Whatever. I'm, whatever. I'm Team Gene Smart. <laughs>